Well, you know, as I was um, preparing for this message today, um, I was thinking back uh, of, of some memories, and I was reminded of, of something that happened years ago, about 25 years ago. When we first moved to America, um, my, we, we started another church called Harvest for Christ. That was the first church. I know there's some people still here from the Harvest days. Woo, woo. Yeah, there you are. Look at all the hands. And uh, when we get close to Christmas season, Pastor Jackie was very, my mom was very involved uh, in the church, ran everything, and she would do these huge production plays that she would put on. And this play that God gave her was called The Greatest Story Ever Told. And what it, it, what it was, was it started in creation and it went through all of creation, you know, Jesus' death and everything and dying for us and our Savior. And it was a phenomenal uh, a place she had. And, and of course, we had, uh, it was a much larger church and we had a huge stage, huge light, lighting. I mean, we, could, we put on amazing performances there. And fireworks, fireworks. Yeah, we had indoor fireworks. And horses come through this. That was the, that was the 4th of July, right? And motorcycles, yeah, we did a lot. Um, we were, for that time, we were really ahead of the time, should I say. But this particular play was the greatest story ever told. And so we actually ended up having like 80 people in the play. That's how big it, the production it was. And so um, most of the ladies, you know, sign up for plays, but men don't usually want to, you know, be part of the production. But we needed a lot of people, especially for the creation scene, we needed trees people to be trees so my mom was my mom's like that's it I'm going to go to the men in the church so she went to the men in the church and she said to them listen I just need you to be a tree can you can you be a tree for me can can you just be a tree for Jesus okay can you and then they're like okay okay yeah sure that's no problem I, I guess I can be a tree you know and they show up the first day of rehearsal we're like here can you wear these leotards And then we're like, okay, so here is step one. We need you to do an arabesque, an allegro, a pirouette, and a plie, and that's step one. <laughs> now they were shaking in their leotards. <laughs> oh, but man, you know what? They, they put so much into it. Everybody gave their best effort. I, of course, played Satan. Because, I mean, who else would I play? I was 18. <laughs> I actually think we have a photo of me in, the, in my outfit back then. I mean, it was serious. It took three hours to put my makeup on, people. Okay? Three hours. But yeah. So, um, you know, it was close. But uh, this was a huge production. And and what we do at the end of the production is we would do an altar call and allow people to come and give their life to the Lord when they realized what he had done for them to turn their life over to Jesus. And during the time that we showed it, we had close to 2,000 people come and see the play. Over the weeks we showed it, and we had over 200 people give their lives to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And it was all because somebody decided to be a tree. Somebody said yes to being a tree. You know, and I think that's how God is with us sometimes. He doesn't show us everything that's to come. Those people, those guys that had to put the leotards on and, wear the, and be the tree, you know, they, did, they stepped out of their comfort zone. 
They did, they, they did stuff that was uncomfortable, that was a little bit inconvenienced, and maybe even a little bit embarrassing, but they did it not even knowing the reward. And God is like that with us sometimes. He's like, listen, can you just be a tree for me? Can you just say yes? Will you just be a tree? You know, and we don't know all what's coming that we're going to have to get through, but there's a reward at the end. But it is, you know, when we, are, when we have an encounter with God, what do we say? Do you really trust God is the question. So today we're going to look at uh, two people's story and what they did when they had an encounter with Jesus. Because we all like to believe that we're going to have the correct answer, that we're going to say yes. But let's look at two very different stories. We're going to look at the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. We're going to start reading in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Can we just pause there for a moment? How cool would it be if the Bible put your name down and said that you lived blamelessly? And that you were righteous in the sight of God. I mean, blamelessly. Can you just be like, wow. You know, if I had to say, if you lived blamelessly, we'd be like, not this week. You know, you know. But literally in the Bible, this is what he's saying of them. Blamelessly, they were following the decrees of the Lord. So let's read on. But, oh, there it is. There's a but in everybody's story, isn't there? It's right there, but. They, they're living blamelessly. They're following God's command. But what happens? <clears throat> but. They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. See, sometimes you think that everything we're doing, I'm following the Lord, I'm, doing, I'm following his decrees, I'm living righteously, I'm doing my best, but this and this is happening in my life. But I can't get this job, but my finances, but this. There's always a but, and somehow we think that when we follow the Lord that it's supposed to be just all perfect. That if you can't come to Jesus and your life is going to be perfect. Folks, this isn't heaven. Surprise, okay? There's going to be a lot of buts in your story. You just have to keep going. So what does it say? But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Jeez, how old are you if the Bible says that you're very old? Like there's a lot of old people in the Bible. I mean, they literally put very in front of it. Very old, okay. Okay, so if, if you read on in the story, sorry, Zechariah was chosen by random. He was a priest, and they would cost lots and choose by random who was going to get to go into the Holy of Holies and burn incense and worship, and the rest of the people would have to wait outside. See, they were under the old covenant where only the priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies. See, we are in the new covenant, Because of Jesus' death, his sacrifice, his blood, we're not able to go into the Holy of Holies. You are allowed to talk to God in some way face to face. You know, obviously not literally he's a spirit, but you know what I mean? You can go into his presence, whether it's here in worship, whether it's in your private time. Don't stay outside, people. Don't stay outside. 
He paid too great a price for you to be able to come into God's presence anytime you want. You don't need a priest. You don't need a rabbi. You don't need a shaman. All you need is Jesus. Jesus is the one who made the way so you can talk to God anytime you want as if you're right in front of him. Right in his presence. Isn't that beautiful? So here Zechariah is. He's in, these, he's in this amazing place of worship. Right, He's worshiping God when an angel appears to him. And let's read what he says in verse 12. Let's read what happens. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Notice it says there, your prayer has been heard. So the angel isn't bringing him news that he doesn't want. Okay, The angel is coming because he's responding to a prayer that he's prayed. Right, So the angel is coming to, to answer this prayer. And this is the prayer that's been on his heart. What prayer is on your heart? What's the prayer that you've been praying? Maybe you've prayed it over and over over the years. Maybe it's on your heart now. Is it, is it for rent? Is it so you can have money to buy Christmas presents? Is it for a new job? Or, or to get better grades in school to my, for my students? <laughs> hey, God wants to provide. He really does want to provide for you. But you know, I think when you get more deeply connected with Jesus you begin to pray very bold prayers. See, your prayers stop necessarily, stop looking inwardly and start looking outwardly. Like you begin to pray prayers like, what is your bold prayer? Is it because you want to see San Diego touched, San Diego come to Jesus? More people know Jesus. Is it because you want to see your extended family serving God? Is it because you want to be a financial channel for the gospel and, and build homes for unwed mothers without families or, or, or go on missions trips? What is your bold prayer that you're praying? See, Zachariah's bold prayer was he wanted a, a baby. He was praying for fruitfulness He wanted to leave a legacy. But he'd waited so long, I think he forgave up on his dream. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've given up on your prayer. But see, when the angel shows up, he definitely acts like he's forgotten his prayer. And maybe you feel that way too. Maybe you're like, man, I prayed that prayer so long ago, I don't even know I've given up on it. Let me just tell you from the scripture here, it looks like God has not. God comes to finally answer his prayer. And so we expect Zechariah to be, what, full of faith, excitement, joy. Finally, this is happening. But let's read his response. Verse 18, it says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, as you've already quoted me, and my wife is also well along in years. (laughs) He's like, okay, this is my nice way of saying she's very old because she's not around, and if she knows what I just said about her, you know? So he's saying, look, she's she ain't ever going to have a kid, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So the the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. 
It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Mic drop. Hashtag angel with an attitude. Jeez. Woo. You know, and if you know the story, he's mute until the baby's born, until he writes the word John. What is his name to be? He writes John, and then he can speak again. See, and people think that your words don't matter. That you can just speak words of doubt and unbelief and insecurity and all kinds of words you want and they don't matter. Why do you think he made him mute? Was it to punish him? No. I think it was to stop him from speaking any more unbelief. Because if he kept talking the way he was talking, he would have stopped John the Baptist from being born. People are like, what? No. How could you do that? Of course you could. See, because if you will speak, if he would kept speaking words of doubt and unbelief and that's never going to happen, guess what? God can't override your will. God's not going to override your will. You're like, oh, I'm just saying all these things, but God can still move on me. No, he can't because he's literally trying, but you keep saying negative things. You keep speaking words of doubt. He literally had to stop him. Zip it now. Don't speak another word of this doubt because I need this to be fulfilled. You know, and I I, I wonder about us. You know, I I think to myself, if, if, if we had an angel, our angel, mute us every time we spoke words of doubt and unbelief over our life, I think when we came to church on Sunday, I think pretty much everybody would be like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Praise and worship would consist of, mm hmm. You know, like literally it would be, it would be very quiet. Okay. And that's a sad thing, but that's how much unbelief is oftentimes coming out of our mouth. Words that are speaking over ourselves that are death and don't line up. God is trying to do something in you and through you, but the plans keep being halted because of what you're saying. He's not going to override your willpower. You need to get your words in line with what he's saying over your life. You're wondering why the promises aren't being fulfilled in your life. Why am, why am I not walking in the peace that you promised? Why am I not walking in the success you promised? Why am I not seeing the fulfillment? What are you saying? Take inventory of your words. So look, there's another way of responding to God. We've seen how Zechariah did it. But there's another way of responding to God and to his promises and to an encounter with him or to a dream or to the call. And that's the way of faith. The way that says, yes, God, the way that says, yes, even when the challenges come against you, yes, whatever the cost, yes, God, that's the way of faith that says, yes. And I can assure you that even saying, yes, there's going to be challenges and there will be cost and there will be a price to pay. But you know what? It's worth the reward. It is definitely worth the reward. So now let's look at the other person in the story who had a similar encounter and how they handled it. Let's look and read about, let's read about Mary. Skipping down to verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the king of David. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now remember, Mary is a teenager, okay? I always like to put myself in the Bible. I try and imagine myself in the story. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm 15 years old. An angel shows up and calls me highly favored of God. What is my reaction? You're talking to me? Are, are you sure? You, did you check your GPS? Did you, did you get the right address? I, I would maybe check that. I don't think you punched that in. Oh, you think, oh, did you mean Lindsay? I'm Cindy. They sound similar. She's next door, though. You know, that's what happens. You get a word from God and you think, oh, it's definitely for the person next to me. That wasn't, that wasn't for me, right? God, that's not for me. Why is that? Why? Why when, some, when God says you're highly favored, do we not believe it? We're so like, oh, no, I, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. I don't deserve favor. I can't have the favor of God. But that's exactly the point. You can't deserve it. It's all because of Jesus. None of us deserve any favor. It's all because of Jesus. So let's read on. Verse 30. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, because God is pleased with you. Listen, you will become pregnant and have a baby boy. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. People will call him the son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will make him king like his ancestor David. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, how will this happen? I'm still a virgin. The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High God will cover you. The baby will be holy and will be called the Son of God. And here's something else. Your relative, Elizabeth, is pregnant. She is very old. Bless her. No getting around that one. But she is going to have a son. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, for she's been preg- but she's been pregnant now for six months. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Come on. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. And now the three words the Beatles made famous. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, Mary received this blessing from God, but she hadn't done anything to receive it. She was just chosen. God just decided to pour his favor out on her. And that's it. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. Nothing. But if I had to ask you, how many here would say that you desire the favor of God on your life? You desire it. Okay, good. I think just about... I think just about everybody would say we desire the favor of God on our lives. But you know, the thing is, God's favor doesn't always look like what we expect it to when it comes. See, sometimes when God's favor comes, it's not exactly what we were hoping for or what we pictured it to look like. Sometimes God's favor will have people pointing their fingers at you. Or some people might try and discredit your favor Or derail your favor. Favor doesn't always look exactly like what we expect it to. It's the weight of God. Think about Mary at this time. She's a teenage girl. Pregnant. Again, during that time, they were under the law, 
right? So the law said you could not be pregnant out of wedlock. Never mind young. She was engaged, which the engagement usually lasted about a year. But it was pretty much like you were almost married to the person, right? So this is a very serious thing. Not only would he have left her, divorced her, but she could have also been stoned because of bringing shame on her family and God. But Mary believed God's word, She had the faith that what the angel said would come to pass. That's what she held on to. You know, Mary didn't, she didn't answer back and say, you know what? I'm just going to think about that for a minute. Um, I'm just going to sleep on it. I'll get back to you. I'm just going to text some friends, see if they're okay with me being pregnant out of wedlock. Um, You know, no, she just said, let it be to me. She just said, yes, let it be to me. She didn't think about herself. She didn't think about her problems. She didn't think about what was going to happen to her life. She didn't think, man, what's going to happen? What am I going to tell Joseph? You know, she just simply said yes. And her yes changed eternity. Powerful. You know, and I wonder, when I think about that, I was like, I wonder how I would have responded. You know, if an angel shows up and it's like, hey, you're going to be pregnant with a chance of stoning. Um, you know, I, I, I think if he's like, oh, you're highly favored, I would have been like, God, seriously, this is how you treat your highly favored. Like, do you know what they're going to do to me? I'm going to have you ridiculed and there's shame. And I don't even know. Could you, could you not have sorted things out before you, you know, you're calling me highly favored. I mean, like, this is a great thing. I don't mind carrying the Messiah, but can you just make it smooth? Like, can you just get rid of all the obstacles? Could you have least talked to my parents before this? You know, like this is what we think. We think that, okay, well, if God, if, God, if God assigns us to something, if he calls us to do something, then he's just going to move all the obstacles out of the way. He's just going to make it supernaturally beautiful road for you to walk down that he's called you. No. And I don't just mean on the, on the major issues of life. I also mean on just the everyday things. You know, God speaks to your heart and says, I want you to walk in, in forgiveness. I want you to forgive some people. You're like, well, if God wants me to forgive that relative, then they need to at least say they're sorry first. No. He wants you to follow the scripture, the word. The word says forgive. See, because he actually knows what's best for us, and he knows that we need to walk in forgiveness, right? So he says forgive. Oh, well, God, God wants me to tithe? Yeah, I, I will tithe as soon as God gives me a better job, because I can't tithe of the job I've got right now. No. You have to be obedient first. Oh, God's called me to the ministry. No, I can't possibly work in the children's church. I'm, I'm highly favored of God. I've got the favor of God on me. I can't work in the children's church. You know, it's not always what we think it's going to be. For every encounter you have, every God dream that you're given, every promise, there's going to be a cost. And you might think, you know what, this sermon is like, you know, if you're sitting on the fence with things, you're like, I don't know if I want to follow the Lord with all these costs that you're telling me about. Let me just tell you, not walking with the Lord has its own cost. You know, and people say, well, people say, well, I'm not, I'm not in the darkness. I'm just, I'm just undecided. I'm walking in the sunset right now, coloring. I'm not in the dark or the light. No, it's clear there's only light or dark. And if you're not in the light, you're in the dark. Because the reason is we're all born into the darkness. You literally have to make the decision to step into the light. It's a decision. And the darkness has a much higher cost. See, the light, there's a cost for walking with the Lord, but the reward is so sweet. 
The reward is so amazing when you walk with God. Because I'm telling you, when he asks you to do something, there's so much fulfillment that you wonder, why did I, why did I hesitate? Why did it take me so long to do this? <clears throat> but you know, there's, there's, there's everything you do, there's the, the day-to-day, should I say, grind to what God asks you to do. <clears throat> you know, I think people think a lot of the times you, when you get a heart, when your heart's really on fire, people will say, well, I, I, I want to I go in the ministry because the ministry is definitely where I want to be because, I mean, you preach on Sunday and you run a prayer meeting, right? That's what you do, right? <laughs> it's like two hours of my job. So my assistant, Madison, <laughs> she's had a, uh, an eye-opening experience coming to work for me. Um, and we were talking about that actually when I was preparing this sermon. Because <laughs> I said to her, uh, who, who knew the, mo- the ministry can also be so boring, right? It's just like day-to-day stuff. I mean, it, during the day is management. There's paperwork. There's stuff you've got to do for the accountant. There's bills. There's arranging projects. There's calling people. There's emails. There's all the mundane. And, you know, I, I would love to say that, yeah, I, every day my day is filled with just being in the anointing in the presence of God, and it's just all favor flowing through me, and I'm just randomly walking around praying for people all over the place. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just not the way it goes. It's, there's, there's the day in and the day out that you've got to do every day knowing that this is what God's called you to do. And then there's also the caring for people and making sure people, and, and what, we, what I always tell Madison is getting them back in the boat, holding on to them so they don't fall out the boat, you know, uh, and then kicking some out so that they'll walk on the water. You know, it's a, it, there's a lot of that going on. That's our job. That part we love, you know, but there's also the day-to-day grind and, and facing the regular challenges. And, you know, whatever God asks you to do, whether he wants you to write a book or start a new company or, or, or a, a business, or maybe it's raising godly children, Lord knows we need those. I think you would admit, mothers, that there is the day in and day out grind of that, okay? It's like, okay, there's another day, they, another meal they need, you know? It's like they're eating again, like, you know? Uh, and so it, it, I think the same thing happens when we look at Mary, you know, now and all these years later, we're like, highly favored Mary. But what was her life like day in and day out? And taking care of Jesus. And I saw this clip from The Chosen. If you haven't watched The Chosen, it's, it's a series that, that they've created uh, set in Jesus' time. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. Go and watch it. Get the app. Watch it. So we're going to watch this little clip about Mary sitting around the fireplace talking about Jesus. We'll have the lights down.
that's neat, huh? It's we forget. It's just that's it. She still had to be a mom like everything else, even though she thought, you know, she knew she's like, this is the son of God, but I still have to, I still have to do the everyday thing. I still have to take care of him like a baby, you know? And when someone is pregnant, being pregnant, uh, comes with great weight and discomfort and inconvenience. And it goes on for months. The way a woman endures it is for the promise at the end. The promise of the baby. There's women who choose not to do that because of the inconvenience of the child. The inconvenience that's going to bring to their life, some choose to abort that promise and not see it fulfilled. What will you do when the strain of the promise that God's given you, when the promise that he's given you begins to strain you? When it begins to pull at you and stretch you and cause inconvenience, will you see it through? Or will you say, oh, God, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too heavy. I can't walk this journey you've asked me to walk. It's just too much. Or will you yield? See, I believe God is looking for a people, uh, worshipers, lovers of God, that that won't care about uh, being stretched or pulled or inconvenienced, but that they will lay down their lives and carry the promise to fulfillment. And, you know, I... I think many times what happens is maybe we're in a moment of worship or, you know, maybe you're in home in your quiet time or you're reading the word or whatever it might be. And God moves on us. He speaks to our heart. And in that moment, we're like, yes, God, yes, 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 Lord, I'll do it. Yes. But then things start to get difficult and things start to get inconvenient. And God, the gas prices are so high. I can't drive there. It's too far now. Lord, I'm just so tired. And God, I've got to work with people again. Like, honestly, seriously, I could do it if you took away the people. Like, you know what? It's just, God, it's just too much. Come on, Lord, please. And what we do is we abort the promise. We give up on the assignment. And see, Mary, she was ready to suffer. She was ready to suffer shame beyond what we could imagine. She was ready to suffer ridicule and loneliness. There was a good chance that her husband was going to leave her. She was ready to suffer it all. Why? Because she had the vision that the angel had given her of that little baby boy being the Messiah. She tucked that vision in her heart that her baby was the Messiah. And you know what? That vision, vision will give pain a purpose. When you're struggling, when you're feeling inconvenienced, when you're feeling stretched beyond what you thought possible, what you've got to do is you've got to tuck that word that God gave you in your heart. You have to take the scriptures and tuck it in your heart and hold on to it because that vision will give your pain a purpose. You will be able to get through what you get through with the vision that God's given you. That's how she got through it. That's how her yes changed eternity. I don't care if you've been holding on to this vision for 20 years. You're like, Cindy, I've been pregnant with this thing for 20 years. Keep holding on to it. Keep holding on to it. Because God will birth it at the right time if you don't give up. Mary's yes changed eternity. What could your yes do? 
What impact is your yes going to have on those around you in this world? You don't know, but with the favor of God, your yes can do a lot. See, God is looking for a people who will love him and who will say yes. And say yes, not just when they're being wooed by God, not just when he's showing them his goodness and his mercy and his grace, not just when he's being wooed, but they will say yes also when there's great sacrifice. See, and how we get there is we have to be ready to lay down our plans for his purpose. To truly love God means to truly open your heart, to open your mind to the love of God. Surrender yourself. Surrender your life to him. Not just add him into your life. Surrender your life to him. See, because everything you should do is because of love. And for love's sake. Because the reason we do anything is because of love. Jesus loved us so much. He went to the cross and took all of our sins, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of our disease, our sickness, so that we could be in right standing with God, so you could talk to him face to face, so that you could spend eternity with him. He did all of this because of love. And so we, in return, if I could let you experience just one drop of the love of God, your life would be forever changed. You would be like Shana and just wanting like, I just, I got to share this. I don't care. I'm super shy. I've never spoken a word on a microphone in my life, but I got to share because I'm so impacted by what God did for me. He took me off the streets and he restored me and gave me more. I need to tell these other people that there's hope. I need to tell this lost and broken world that God can change your situation. He can bring peace. He can bring hope. He can restore. He can give. I need to open up my mouth and say something, not for my own sake or my own glory, but because of the love of God. It's because of the love of God. That is why we're moved. It's because of the love of God. Because he loved us so much that we love in return. And you know, I, I don't know, we're all in different seasons in our life, and, and maybe you came in here today and you're like, you feel dry, you feel numb. Or maybe you've come in here and you're filled with the Spirit and you just, you just want more of God. You know, or maybe you've come in here and you're in a place of fear. And you've, you've been silenced, you're muted. All you have to do is ask God to come and He will. All you have to do is say, God, come. Jesus, I want an encounter with you. And He'll come. And then it's how do we respond when he comes, because he will. He's talking to you all the time. I encourage you, open up the New Testament. Start reading. Read it slowly. Let the words talk to you. That's God's love letter to you. Imagine leaving a love letter for somebody, the person you love, and they never read it. But they make up things about you because that's their mind. They're like, well, I think he's like this, and I think they're like this. And he's like, actually, I'm right there in the letter will tell you how I am. <laughs> Please read it. <laughs> and in that letter, it's also filled with all these promises that I've got for you. And it's filled with all these ideas and plans that I've got for you and how I think it's best for you to live and how you can have a beautiful life walking with me. Please open it up and read it. So I encourage you, if you're not having read the Bible, start in the New Testament. It's the New Year. Start in, Jan start, start in January. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, somewhere in there. It's about the middle of the Bible. 
Start there and start reading it slowly and read what God is sharing with us. I'm telling you, it's his love letter to you. When you ask God to come, no matter where you are, he will. Ask him for an encounter, a promise, he'll give you one. And then, how do you respond? Will you say yes? If we could all stand as we close. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I'll have the band come up so long. Thank you. You know, maybe you're here today and you, you've, heard, you've heard me talking and, and maybe you feel in your heart, you, in your heart you've, you've drifted from the Lord. You haven't really been walking with him like, you'd, like you want to be. Maybe when I was speaking about these decisions and you, I want to be the person that says yes to God. I want to see yes to his purposes and his promises and what he's got for me. And I want to start fresh. I want to renew my life, my commitment to him. Because... As I say, we don't add God to our lives. We surrender our lives to him. He sacrificed everything. And when he says, come to me, he expects you to sacrifice as well. But trust me, it's so fulfilling and rewarding when you do. But maybe you, you've either never done this, you've never given your life fully over to the Lord for him to be you're not just your savior, but your Lord, then I'm going to pray for you. Just right where you stand, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you just where you stand. Or if you're coming back to the Lord, you just say, you know what? I, I've, been, I've been dry. I've been numb. I haven't, I haven't been saying yes. I've been speaking words of doubt and negativity, and, and I want to set things straight. Today, I want to start fresh with you, Lord. Heaven is watching. God is listening. He's waiting for you to say yes to him. So we just want to pray and speak from our heart to the Lord. So if that's you, just raise your hand wherever you are. I'm not going to call you out of your seat. I'm just going to pray for you where you stand. So if that's you, thank you for the hands that are going up. I appreciate it. Thank you for the hands. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hand. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. And God cares and he's listening and he's watching and he's so grateful his heart is so happy because it's his son's birthday that we celebrate today and what a beautiful day to recommit yourself to God so as I pray you pray in your heart recommit yourself say what you need to say to the Lord repent and I'm going to pray with you now as well father God I thank you for these that have raised their hands Lord as a sign as a commitment to you father Lord, repenting of, of their sins, repenting for what they've done wrong, God, acknowledging you as Savior, Jesus, and as Lord of their life. Father, today we say yes to you. Yes, God. We want all of you, Lord. We want all your promises, your goodness, Lord, but we are willing to sacrifice our lives, to be stretched, to be pulled, to be inconvenienced for the sake of love. Oh, Jesus, for the sake of love. Lord, burn afresh in our hearts today. Burn afresh, God. Let us have your eyes and your ears and your heart for the people around us that are hurting and broken and lost. Help us take our eyes off ourselves and turn them outwardly. Let the scales fall from our eyes so that we see truth and we see you, God. 
Let 2022 begin a year of passion for Jesus, fire for Jesus. Burn up the old God and restore us today. This is what we pray and this is what we ask. Thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.